Hello, Brain Allies. You're listening to Brains Out Loud, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health from our personal life to our work life and everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on the same level as physical health. Today, we have Dr. Kojo Sarfo. He is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, entrepreneur, and writer who's passionate about spreading positivity and awareness about mental health. Dr. Kojo, Welcome, and thanks so much for being here. Can you give us a little background about yourself? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. So uh, as of right now, I'm in Southern California, and I do content creation, uh, you know, as my full-time job. And that consists of me posting on, you know, TikTok primarily, Instagram, and Triller, you know, and doing lives on those websites and Twitch. And that's what I do for a, a full-time, you know, uh, now in my day-to-day. But previously, before that, I was working in Southern Virginia. I was doing forensic psychiatry. Uh, you know, so the majority of my patients, you know, had committed you know, crimes anywhere from, you know, maybe pay theft to arson or, you know, some of the more serious crimes like homicide. Uh, and it was my job to be their clinician and, you know, get them diagnosed and get them on medications and uh, treat them from a non-judgmental standpoint. Uh, and I was also a professor a professor at my alma mater, Augusta University, uh, where I was uh, teaching nursing students. Uh, and that's also where I went to obtain my DNP degree, um, which I needed to become a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. So uh, that's a little bit of my background. And that's kind of how I, you know, started off and, you know, I segued into full-time content creation. So, you know, now I'm here and, you know, now I, I enjoy making content for the internet. Yeah, and your content is touching thousands of people. It's crazy the impact of social media, and especially now with COVID, I'm sure you've seen that there's even more people on these platforms. So what was it that made you make that pivot to take it online? Um, Was it just the fact of accessibility, like you can reach more people, Mm -hmm. or were you kind of called? How did that get started? Probably a combination of the the two, but it got started, you know, uh, once I was working in Virginia, I took that job, you know, October 2019. And, uh, you know, my family was back in Georgia. So it was just me in Virginia by myself. Uh, and I had weekends where I was bored doing nothing. So I started to create on, on TikTok. And December 2019 is when I got serious with the platform. You know, I would post content about myself and then I would talk about what I do. And then people want to know more about the mental health aspect of things. And then the, the pandemic hit and then there was this big spotlight on mental health. Uh, so I continued to post and post and post, and my follower uh, follower count just kept going higher and higher. And I realized that I was making uh, a big impact on social media the same way that I felt like I was doing the same in the hospital. And it got to a point where I realized that I couldn't continue to do. You know, people would always ask me, how are you combining everything? You know, like you do so much, you know, for one person in, in one day. And it got to a point where I was getting burnt out. I could not continue to you know, work full time and do social media essentially full-time. Uh, so I realized that, you know, um, or at least I thought to myself that I could impact more people online than I could within the hospital. So I decided to take that leap and I figured that, you know, being in the middle of, you know, uh, a crazy time right now is the best time to reinvent yourself. So I went ahead and I said, you know, at least I need to give this a shot uh, and see how it works out. You know, um, you can always return back to practicing, but you can't capitalize on the moment. So those kinds of, you know, that dialogue was going on in my head and, and that's what made me make the jump. Yeah, it makes total sense. And now definitely is the time to be an advocate in this space. I'm sure that was a hard decision to make, but yeah, I bet that your previous experience informs the content that you create now. Let's talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you worked with um, certain people who had committed crimes in the past or right. that were very disturbed or really struggling. How did you navigate those conversations and how, how did you help people in that position? What was your approach? Uh, so, you know, like I said, I came from a non-judgmental, um, you know, perspective. You know, I didn't want the patient to think that, oh, because they committed this crime or maybe because they you know, took somebody's life away or because they burned down a building or they hurt somebody or they raped somebody. I didn't want to look at them as, you know, what they did. Uh, So you have to separate yourself, you know, from your feelings. And of course, we know that all that stuff is not, you know, those are not good things. But at the same time, you have the patient in front of you and they are struggling with a mental health condition. 
um, which is why they're there. So, you know, it's your goal to diagnose them. And whenever I would ask questions, the, the focus would always be on, I'm asking you this question so I can know more about your presentation and know more about your background so I can know more about who you are as a person. And of course, I'll go get collateral information from family members, social workers, and everybody else to get the full clinical picture. But it was always on the person and the treatment at hand. How can we help this person out right now? How can we set them up for success moving forward? It was never on, oh, five years ago, two years ago, they did this, you know, because when you do that, you get to judging. So I always made the focus on what can I do clinically to help the patient? And that's what, you know, made um, things easy on my end. Because if you stay too connected to what they did, it's going to interfere with, you know, uh, I believe with, you know, your judgment when you're making decisions about, you know, what the treatment should look like. Yeah, it seems like you just observe them as a human, as someone who's worthy right. of being helped. And how would you suggest we can be less judgmental? Because sometimes when someone has a mental health issue, they act in a certain way. Right. And it's hard to not get involved or not to take things personal. So how would you suggest we can live like you and be less judgmental? So, I mean, for me, fortunately, you know, working in mental health, you know, I've come across so many individuals who are just like me and you, but because of, you know, a few key events in their life, or because of maybe one or two bad decisions, maybe they were in jail, they're incarcerated, they didn't get the mental health help that they needed, maybe they couldn't afford medications. But like when you read somebody's story and you figure out, okay, what brought them to this point, you see that they're not much different from, you know, you and me. And when you look at it from that perspective, then you, you get to thinking, okay, everybody's flawed. You know, like I've I talked to people for a living. I've talked to countless numbers of people and you realize that everybody's flawed. Everybody's struggling with something. So you have to give yourself the grace to be human. You know, even if you're a mental health provider, you're still a human at the end of the day. You have to give yourself the space to be who you are. And you have to let those people know that they're also human. Despite what they've done, like, you know, at the end of the day, they did what they did, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're human. They deserve compassion, grace, and dignity. So uh, the more you talk to people, the more you realize that things are not as they appear to be on social media. Like everybody has a facade. Things appear to be normal. Everybody's doing great, you know. But when you talk to people and you get down to the nitty-gritty and you, you break down childhood trauma, past abuse, you know, um, the way that, you know, their environment, you know, genetics, when you really get to know a person, you realize that everybody is, you know, broken in, in some sense. So it allows you to see people as, as what they are. And, and, that's, and, and that's people, you know, we're just human beings and, you know, nothing more, nothing less. And, you know, just we're separated by things like, you know, politics, race, and, you know, socioeconomic status. But at the same time, like we all have the same red blood flowing through our veins and we're all going to, you know, unfortunately, you know, die one day. So when you allow yourself just to be human, you realize that it's just a part of the human experience. Yeah, it truly is just part of being human. And we all, you know, could be subject to a mental health issue. You mentioned genetic risk factors as well as environment. I know this is the, the classic debate of nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. But in your experience, what has been one of the biggest things? I think a lot of people can relate to childhood trauma or they hear right. that and they're like, oh, yeah, I've been through it. So what what led to a lot of these mental health disorders that you, you've seen in your career? So it, it's tough, you know, because like you said, it's the whole nature versus nurture thing. It is really difficult because, you know, even in like, let's say you have siblings, you know, who same mom, same dad, you know, they might, two siblings might go through one traumatic event and one sibling can process it way better than the other, you know, so it, it really does depend, but, um, you know, we can't, we can't change our genetics, unfortunately, but uh, environment and also parenting really matters. That's what I've seen, you know, the way you parent the child really matters. And a lot of times people, the first time that people um, are sometimes exposed to the fact that they might have childhood traumas when they're an adult and they're in a relationship and they realize that, oh, I have a hard time setting boundaries. I can't speak up for myself. I can't say no. I'm always overwhelmed. Or this could be an intimate relationship or it could be with your boss, you know, and then you realize that, okay, maybe I didn't turn out, in fact, you know, as fine as I thought I did, you know, so it, it's difficult. Obviously, certain people are, you know, genetically predisposed to things like, you know, 
schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, you know, uh, and it really just varies, you know, and like when people ask questions like, you know, is, is weed good or bad for you? Like, it's tough to answer that question because for somebody who has a history of schizophrenia in your family, you know, weed already uh, increases the chance of psychosis. So you might not want to use that, whereas somebody else, or you could see, you know, Wiz Khalifa uh, smoke weed on TV and say, oh, he's perfect. He's doing fine. And he's productive and he wins Grammys, but maybe his genetic makeup is different from yours. So it really is a combination. And it's tough to know if, if it's 50, 50, 49, 51, you know, 40, 60. Uh, but it, I, it's, it's a good debate, but I would say it's, it really is a combination. And, you know, the way people are parented, uh, you know, the controllable factors is probably where I would, you know, more so focus on. You can focus on, you know, you can change how you parent, you know, a child. Uh, you can change your environment, um, but you can't change your, you know, your genetic makeup and, and who your parents are. So the things that you can change is probably what I will focus on. That makes sense. And when we don't heal, we end up kind of projecting. Yeah. You said you see that in For sure. relationships. Once it's at that point, is it too late? Is that relationship not going to work? Or what do you suggest if someone is like, damn, my unhealed trauma or experiences are kind of informing how I'm behaving now? And what does it take to get them to be in a healthy place? Right. So I'm not a fan of... Uh, like you take people as they are, you know, you take the person hundred percent, like you take the good with the bad, you know, so you're not gonna, you can't just pick and choose the parts of a individual that you want and then, you know, discard the rest. It doesn't work that way. So for people who are in relationships or, you know, maybe you're at a job where you're having issues with your boss, like I would never like discard the relationship or just throw it away. Uh, and in fact, if you work through some of those issues with your partner, uh, sometimes that helps the understanding, like they see that you're working through it, you know, so it's all a matter of patience and, and vulnerability. Like if you're working through something and your partner sees that you're putting in the time and the effort, uh, then in some ways it could help them understand you more because once they understand, that, okay, this is how the person's reacting, but this is why, you know, because as humans, we tend to want to make sense of things. So when you, you realize, okay, this happened to them as a child. But they're taking response. It's all about the accountability. Like you have to be accountable for your side of things. So if you see your partner is being accountable and they have a, a vested interest in working through their issue, then it helps out the relationship. Because if everybody's working on their issues, then the unit together is stronger. So I'm not a fan of saying, oh, this happened or this person is damaged and, you know, throwing away their whole relationship. Uh, you know, I think if people can work through it, it could be a, a, a beautiful thing. Uh, but on the flip side, if you realize that you're having these issues before you're in a relationship, uh, I would say it's probably best to do as much work, you know, by yourself uh, to save you from the embarrassment and the trouble of having to figure this out with somebody else, you know, in the picture. You have to take into account their feelings, you know, they're watching you. So if you can work these things out like beforehand, um, that's also a, a very a good thing to do. Yeah, it definitely requires that work though and that effort and it takes kind of time. So if when you're single, if you can set yourself up to be in the strongest place mentally, that's probably right. the best time to start a relationship. I think so. Um, so your social media, it's super helpful, super educational and fun. I love when you do your songs and everything. Appreciate that. Uh, but that's not therapy. So mm. how are you now taking this voice? And probably I'm sure you get thousands of DMs of mm. people who want therapy from you or want right. constructive health, health. So what do you do with that? It's difficult because I get DMs all the time. And, uh, you know, people will say, hey, you know, Dr. Kodra, I just need some advice on this. Or should I bump this medication up or down? And, you know, I can't reply to them, you know, in the DM. But when I go on live, I let people know that, hey, you know, if any, any credible, you know, uh, professional or provider online would never tell you to adjust your meds through like a TikTok live or Instagram live, no, no credible um, professional would give you like therapy through those mediums because, you know, that's not how things work. You know, obviously if you, if that, that person's in Colorado and, you know, you don't have the credentials to practice in Colorado, then you're, you know, you're practicing outside of your scope. So we can't, we can't reply as much as you know, we'd like to reply and help people out. So it is difficult. 
Um, and I like to direct my energy into things that you know are productive. So, you know, BetterHelp is an app where you know people can sign up for therapy. And then there's different websites. I like Mental Health America, um, which is mhanational.org. They have a free mental health screen tool uh, on their website. Um, I have that in my link on TikTok and on Instagram. So it won't diagnose you. It's not going to tell you that you have PTSD or something like that, but it can give you like, like it can cue you into, okay, I might need to go get screened for depression. I might need to go get screened for bipolar or PTSD. And then after you finish the screening, they have free resources, you know, uh, National Alliance of uh, Mental Illness, NAMI, um, uh, there's a couple more that don't come to mind right now, but they have different resources and different communities that you can be a part of. And also for family members who have people who struggle with severe mental illnesses, it can be difficult because they can, they can burn out from caregiver strain and things like that. So, uh, when people feel like they're a part of a community, it's better because they don't feel like they're as alone. So having links in, you know, your bio, if you're, uh, you know, a practitioner, uh, is very helpful because people like people will watch an eight second TikTok and they'll say, oh, I feel seen, I feel triggered, I feel attacked, or I feel like uh, this represents me. But then after that, like, what do you do? Like, how do you take the next step? And professional help is always, you know, what I recommend because a lot of times the questions that are sent to me, you know, people experiencing severe trauma, you know, neglect, things that happened to them in their childhood that they've never told anybody else. Like that's stuff that you have to work you have to iron that out with a professional. You know, at, at times you're going to need like medication, you know, uh, in my opinion, that's why I believe, you know, so those things, you, you can't just get the help from the person down the street or, you know, or your, your mom or your dad. So the, the best thing to do is to, you know, find the most linear path to getting professional help, you know, and when people can afford it, it becomes difficult because it's like, you know, the mental health system in this country is broken and, you know, we are reactive instead of, proactive uh, you know so any resources that i come across um you know that can be helpful to people i will always put them like an instagram story as a swipe up you know a lot of times especially in the minority community people want providers that look like them you know um for me I, you know when i signed up for therapy myself that wasn't a requirement for me i just needed a different perspective but a lot of people want somebody who looks like them so you know, you have to have websites where you can have, you know, therapists and providers of color, you know, or people who want uh, somebody who specializes in LGBTQ health. Like there's different things that people want. It's about what the people want, you know. So whenever I come across resources that are beneficial, then I'm like, oh, okay, this is nice. And I'll send it to my assistant. And then like, if we have permission to include that link, we can include it in our link tree or something like that. Uh, but, you know, people do need, to get the help and uh, most of the times the eight second TikTok video will only go so far. So it's my goal to kind of serve as the catalyst to kind of be like, okay, you might need to get some help. And then once they get the help, then I'm, I'm proud that maybe I was part of the process, even though I'm not the one who's seen them like all the way through, you know? Yeah, that's super helpful. And it's great to have those resources just lined up so that the TikTok, the content that starts the conversation and then you have something. Right, right. Sure. Definitely. That's great. And something you mentioned about how our healthcare system is very flawed. In your experience, what was the biggest barrier to treatment? Obviously, stigma plays a role. But mm. in terms of if someone is willing to get help, what what's standing in the way in our society? It's, it's difficult because once somebody is willing to get the help, a lot of times people are worried about like the bill, you know, like inpatient psychiatric hospitalization is very expensive. Uh, I know just being in there for one day, depending on if it's private, public, sometimes it's over a thousand dollars per day. Um, you know, so if people are thinking about the bill or if they're thinking about the burden that's gonna be on their family, or if they're thinking about time off from work, you know, or if they're thinking about returning back to work and, you know, they might not want their employer to know that they were in a psychiatric facility, you know, cause they're not sure how that's gonna impact you know, their job status, you know, because there's still that stigma. So if your boss knows that you're diagnosed with this and that, they might feel like, oh, this person's dangerous or we can't trust them with such a, you know, high profile job. So a lot of times it's almost like if people could get the help, um, if they were willing and they had the money or if they had the insurance, if they could get the help and they could be discreet uh, and, and low key, I think more people would 
um, discrete, low-key, and affordable, uh, you know, because when people are, you know, uninsured, it's, it's difficult uh, to get the help, you know, and even people who are, you know, veterans trying to get into the VA, sometimes there's a long waiting list, and then there's a long waiting list just in general to see a, a psychiatric provider in many areas, so um, unfortunately, sometimes the fastest way to get seen is to have an emergency, you know, which would require like, a, you know, involuntary hospitalization. And at that point, like you're in the psych ward, you know, or the psych hospital, you know, and, and then you have a team of therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, doctors, medical, and, and all that, and you can get the help. But um, we shouldn't know, we shouldn't have to wait for somebody to say that they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else before they can get that immediate help. You know, so um, like th there's issues on both ends. Like we don't have enough mental health, you know, clinicians and there's not enough people in the field. So there's so many things that we have to, to work on. So a lot of times people will watch my content and say, hey, I'm going to school to be a social worker or a psychologist or whatever the case may be. So when people have a vested interest in, you know, being a mental health provider, I think it's important that, you know, you don't disregard that passion that they have because, that's somebody else who's there to help another person or a ton of people. Yeah, and we need more people in this field to help people because the demand is outweighing the supply. And like you said, there's still so many barriers in place. And it's such a shame that people wait until they're literally in crisis to half the time even get a diagnosis or mm. even be seen at all right you talked about representation and it seems like a lot of people reach out to you that are in school or that are getting involved in mental health but what would you say to the black community or you know what what are the issues there with representation because obviously we need more people to work in this field in general but within that community specifically i feel like there's a need for support right now i completely agree and you know I mean, especially from my personal experience, you know, growing up, you know, uh, I can say like I'm, on behalf of the black community, sometimes we're not selfish enough, uh, you know, with our mental health. You'll cling on to relationships, friendships, jobs, you know, people, situations that are not good for you, you know, and you're not willing to go get help because, you know, I mean, you can make up, you can bring up so many barriers as to why you're not getting help. Maybe you don't have the money or there's not people who look like you or, um, maybe you're afraid to take meds. I mean, there's a million different things, but, you know, I think we need to, within our community, we have to make it okay to be more selfish, uh, especially when it comes to your, your mental health, because that's self-care. You know, self-care, people think it's going to Jamaica and, like, you know, relaxing on vacation. That's not self-care. That's, that's a vacation. Self-care is having the difficult conversations with people that you love, you know, stepping away from situations that are toxic, uh, you know, speaking up for yourself, letting people know when you don't like something, um, you know, allowing yourself to be human, you know, getting therapy if you need, get professional help if you need it, um, recognizing that sometimes you've been through trauma and it's not a normal thing and not just trying to live with it like, oh, okay, everybody goes through it, you know, like you don't want to minimize your own struggle. So just being more selfish with, with your mental health. Um, and, you know, it's, it's difficult like to, let's say you have a parent or a loved one or a child, you know, who you had to sever ties with them because they were, you know, toxic for your mental health. It's difficult to step away from somebody that you love and, you know, loved or still love because you have to take care of yourself. Like that's the type of self-care that I'm talking about. It's very difficult to do those things. So I think we have to make it okay in our community to, you know, not worry about what people think and do what we have to do for ourselves uh, for once because that's you know it's preservation you know it's it's mental health maintenance and self-care those are the things that we have to do for ourselves before we can reach out and help out other people definitely self-care like we have to take care of ourselves before we can help others and you can't right. fill from an empty glass so that definitely resonates in terms mm -hmm. of self-care what about setting boundaries what about dealing with toxic people in our life like how can we navigate that and set boundaries that we can then enforce and then that goes into our mental health in general right so when it comes to setting boundaries the thing i say is you you don't want to take on everything all at once and people who struggle with setting boundaries at work normally tend to, to struggle with that at home you know they tend to struggle with that you know with, with their friends and it can be something as simple as your friend comes in the house and 
you just cleaned like, you know, the carpet and you're too afraid to tell them that they should take their shoes off. It could be like really the small things, you know, and if you struggle with that, then you might struggle telling your job, your, your boss at, at work, hey, I, I don't like, you know, this assignment you give to me every Friday. I, it's too much for me. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I, I can't do my job, you know. You know, if you can't say the small things, you can't say the big things. So I would work on asserting yourself in small ways, like telling somebody, hey, the way you spoke to me, I, I really didn't like that. You know, you know it, it made me feel this way. And a lot of times you don't want to bring it up because like you don't want the awkward moment or you're like, ah, you know, I just, it's okay. You know, but the more you, you say it's okay, like it kind of lowers your self-esteem and it takes away from like, you know, you feel like you have some type of autonomy over your life. But when you start to do those small things correctly, then you go to work, like you're confident. You tell your boss, hey, I appreciate you. You know, I, I'm happy that I'm in this position, but I need this and that. Like, you have to know what you need, first and foremost. Like, I need this. Or when you're in a relationship, to say, hey, this is something that I need. You know, like, I'm not getting it. Like, hey, we need to talk about it. It's become an issue. If this goes on, like, there's going to be problems. Like, I cannot continue on like this. Um, you know, and let people know. And sometimes your words have to be followed up with actions. Like, hey, I'm going to keep some space between me and you if I can't get this because this makes me feel like this and I'm tired and I'm burnt out. So I need your help here. I need this and that. And people do respect boundaries, you know, um, when you enforce it and you're, you're serious about it. So when you start to work on it, you know, slowly but surely, you'll see that you'll become a more confident person because everywhere in your life you'll be able to set boundaries hey no i'm busy this day can we do friday if we can okay well i'll meet you next week you know like you can't always like tell your life to other people or somebody has a last minute emergency you know oh, okay, okay well i'll switch up my whole day for you you can't because you're doing this thing people have to respect your time your space your energy um and when you conduct yourself um in that manner then people find it harder to even disrespect you and sometimes they don't do it on purpose. They just do it because maybe you've been allowing people to use your time and your space or misuse your time, space, and energy. So once you start doing those things, like, you know, the small things, before you know it, you'll find that you'll be able to stand up to certain people. And then you won't be in situations where, you know, like it's almost like the, the bully at school, you know, they, they keep picking on you, they keep picking on you. But the, the one time the smaller kid fights back and, you know, defends himself, that'll be the last time they'll ever hear from the bully, right? But for the kids who never stand up, like, you'll keep being tortured over and over and over again. So at some point, you want to, you know, stand up for yourself. Uh, and it's going to be scary at first. You know, when you set boundaries, you probably will lose friendships. You know, you'll lose friendships. You'll lose people who were only friends with you because it was on their terms. Like, it benefited them, you know? So, like, it's going to be it can be a lonely road, you know? So people always say, oh, I'm going to set boundaries. You know, I'm going to speak up for myself, but like, you're going to have to pay the price. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you have autonomy, independence and respect, you have your self-worth as a human being. And then you'll find people who respect those boundaries. And then you would want to build up with them instead of building up with people who, you know, are devaluing you, people who make you feel bad by yourself. Like, like that's just going to sink you further and further, you know? So it's best to just, you know, go through the temporary pain. And, you know, then once you've set boundaries in place, you just have to recalibrate every now and then. But you don't have to do like that groundwork that you have to do initially to, to build everything up. Yeah, that seems very helpful. And with boundaries, it's like those small things do add up. And there's probably so much freedom and just like saying no to the small things so it doesn't become bigger things. But a lot of people, I feel like don't realize that when you're not setting a boundary and you're just like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, I'll just let this go. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. It's like, you're setting a standard. So then it, it becomes right. kind of more difficult to set that boundary because they're like, well, you never said anything before. Right. So what, how do we deal with people if they're pushing our boundaries? You mentioned sometimes you might lose friends. Do we yeah. just say, you know, you're not respecting our boundary. How do we approach that? Because that's when this gets the most challenging right. when someone's pushing at your boundary. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say that. I mean, you might not say explicitly you're not respecting my boundaries, but you'll say, hey, you know, like we spoke about this. This was an issue. And I told you how I felt about it. And I didn't appreciate that. You know, but a lot of times people people might be shocked because they're not used to confrontation. 
Um, you know, but like for me, like I've learned these things professionally and I start to implement them in my life. Um, and, and I like operating that way because when I meet people, you know, it's respect from day one. You know, like people will respect you and like you'll be in situations where you feel, like when you feel worthy and valued, you walk a little differently. Like people can smell confidence, you know, people can smell insecurity. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, like, you know, I post a lot of content where I'm singing and dancing online and I like to be in a good mood, but this world is not filled with everybody who has good intentions. Like there's people out there who are looking for individuals who they can prey on. Uh, you know, people who are not able to put boundaries in place and people will play you, people will use you for your money, people use you for your your status, people use you for your job, people will play you for sex. I mean, like, that's just how things are. Like, people are really that evil. People will play you for as long as they can uh, if you don't have those boundaries. And the people who keep being taken advantage of, they, you know, when you look at the common denominators, you go back down the boundaries. It's tough for them to speak up for themselves. It's tough for them to, you know, advocate for, you know, even their smallest needs. You know, so once you can stand up and say, hey, yes, I would love, you know, this. And you might have to walk away from a job that pays you well and take one that doesn't pay you as much to feel respected. You might have to walk away from a relationship where you love the person. So these are very, very, very difficult things to do, you know, and like everybody wants to set boundaries until they see what the price is. You know, once you have to pay the price of losing money, losing friends that you've been cool with for your whole life, you know, losing a relationship that, you know, with somebody that you love, those are very, very difficult things. And sometimes people just chalk it up and say, you know what, it's fine. I don't want to lose or I want to be comfortable like this, you know, but like you have to just let people know, hey, I didn't like this. Like, I don't appreciate this, this and that. And, um, it, you know, but when you do that, I always say be prepared for somebody to walk away. Don't, don't be, you know, upset that they walked away, you know, or don't feel like, oh, I'll never set boundaries again because they walked away or because you missed out on this opportunity. Like, that's just going to have to be how it is, you know, because when, when you do put the boundaries in place and then you come across people who do respect it, then it feels so much better. Then you're like, wow, I didn't know that I could be doing something that I, I enjoy doing. Like, I didn't know that there were jobs where, you know, I, like, I enjoyed it, you know, or I had a good friend of mine who, uh, he's on his third marriage and he told me that he said he got married for the third time at 40. And he said that was the first time that he, he didn't know that he couldn't have, that he could have an argument with his wife and that they could still be together. Cause he said in the past, whenever he had an argument, it felt like that was like the beginning of the end. Like that's when they would break up, you know? So like now he's in a healthy relationship where he can have a constructive argument you know, or a discussion and say, hey, I don't like this, or they'll say, hey, I don't like this, you know, but sometimes when people don't want to bring it up, you know, or they're like, oh, it's going to be an issue, like, it's going to come back around eventually, you know, so you want to confront those things head on, um, uh, but you have to be prepared to, to pay the price, and that's the part that nobody talks about. It's true, but it's worth the sacrifice. It's like you can so. compromise when, whenever you do something that you don't feel like you should or like you feel like, oh, you know, I didn't want to say yes, but I did. It's like you lose some pride and yeah. you see that that affects self-esteem. And right now when we're facing so much uncertainty with COVID and with everything mm -hmm. else going on, it's like at the very least, we should have the freedom to set up our lives as we want them right. and whether that's getting rid of a toxic friend you know setting boundaries with family members i think now more than ever it's important to do that since we are home so much mm -hmm. what yeah. has been yeah. your biggest advice for facing this uncertainty i know a lot of medical and uh, mental health professionals are are in the same boat as everyone else where it's like how do we provide hope and how do we provide guidance when like the uncertainty is just universal right you know and it, it, that's a very good question and for a lot of us it's difficult like when things aren't certain you know people tend to to struggle you know and i come from an environment where everything was structured and i was talking with some of my roommates about how you know, like when I was working in Virginia, you know, good job, good paycheck. Like everything is laid off for me. Every two weeks, I know where I get paid. I get to put money aside. Like I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about anything. You know, so leaving that and coming into, uh, you know, the world of social media where you can have three months with brand deals all over the place. And then you might go another four months and not hear from anybody else. 
And then the next month you might be in the news. It's so like, you never know what can happen. You know, there might be a time where your videos are not being broadcasted and somebody else is in, you know, but uh, one thing I've learned, one trait that is kind of like a predictor of success is uh, adaptability. Like you have to be able to adapt to whatever's going on. Um, so to, like, and we never really had control in the first place. Like we didn't control, you know, what was going on. Like nobody, if we could have controlled things, we wouldn't be in a pandemic now. You know, we would have prevented the, the virus from happening, but we never had control in the first place, but we had an illusion of control. So, you know, what I like to think about it, like we never really control as much as we think we control. So it's about adapting to your environment, you know, being uh, prepared ahead of time, um, knowing what you're willing to sacrifice, knowing what you're okay with, knowing what you're not okay with, because you can be in a world where everything is uncertain, but you'll, you know that, of course, you know, I want, you know, my bills be paid. I want food, water, shelter, maybe a couple extra things. Maybe I want to take a week off every month. Like there's things that we all need and want. So I would say figure out what you want and need uh, and figure out where you can sacrifice because you have to be able to be flexible uh, in a time like now because like you never know, like every week looks different. Every month looks different. So being able to adapt is probably the, the greatest strength um, that anybody can have because, you know, the way life is now, you might check back in, you know, May, and maybe more vaccines have rolled out. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, having the mindset that you're going to be fine regardless of whatever will happen because you will adjust, that's that's almost like a superpower because then you told yourself you'll be fine. Uh, and then once you've told yourself you're going to be fine, then you go out and you look for ways to make sure that, you know, you can survive and not only survive, but thrive uh, in a time like now. You know, because you dedicate yourself to being good regardless. That's some really solid advice. And it's crazy how far we've come now and how much we have adapted between yeah. work tasks and yeah. online learning. Like everybody has risen to the occasion yeah. and we haven't even given ourselves credit for that. True. What do you think the lasting impact will be? Like, for example, for high school kids that, you know, have never gone to school beyond middle school or for college kids who are losing that college experience, I know we will adapt, but what does that adaption look like? And what are the psychosocial repercussions of this virus on the future? It's very interesting. You know, I think about this maybe more than I should, but, you know, from a mental health standpoint, like, I mean, COVID is a game changer. Like, it's, it's changing the way that we do everything. Like, you know, now we have online friends, people that we've never met that we like better than our real life friends uh you know you're going to start to see online universities like some people will go to school exclusively online you might have church exclusively online uh like you know i think twitter um, or google one of those companies they allow their employees to work from home for like forever you know so like working from home is like a new thing now I have a good friend of mine. He just had a, a, a daughter um, a year ago. She's one, and he's talking about being a stay-at-home dad and his wife will work. You know, she's a flight attendant, so he'll stay at home and work. But because, like, his uh, brand is expanding, he can work from home with his daughter. He can have a podcast. Like, he can have a successful business from home. So, like, the stay-at-home parent dynamic has changed, you know. So, like, how is this going to affect daycares now? Because now people are staying at home. Uh, um, like it's, it's going to change like how we communicate like you know people are going to become um, more comfortable talking to people online uh, because you know it's hard to talk to people in person you know I believe online dating is going to explode because like people are forced to you know look into different methods and uh, you know figuring out how that can be beneficial so it's going to be very uh, interesting um, you know from a technology standpoint but also from like a you know, a mental standpoint, um, I would not be surprised to see a lot of PTSD with healthcare workers. Uh, and of course, like I, I made a whole transition, you know, across the country doing like a whole different role now. So uh, I definitely took my time to pause and, and switch it up. But I believe that if you work in healthcare and you don't at least pause for a little bit, and I don't know if that's a week or a month or maybe four days or just take some time off to disconnect. Uh, it's going to be very difficult because these are not normal times. It's not normal to 
to, to be in a time like this. So to be confronted with so much death and grief and, and COVID and, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of um, healthcare workers who will need uh, mental health resources, um, like, like starting like right now and until like the next maybe five, 10 years, like this period of time right now, it looks very much like, you know, like, like the Great Depression. It's just uh, a different time. Um, and I, I think, you know, now we're talking about mental health more, you know, so even from a, you know, perspective where we're looking for the silver lining, now people are, you know, COVID exposed who we are as individuals. So whatever issues you didn't know that you had before, like, you know, you know exactly who you are now. So uh, if you want to see the good in things, like this has forced people to stay at home, to have to work on their relationships or maybe leave a relationship that they had no business, you know, being in in the first place. So this is, this is one of those life defining, you know, events where you have to adjust and um, it's, it's going to change things up a lot. Like pre-COVID COVID world and post-COVID world is two completely different things. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out. For sure. We're already seeing like so many things have changed or people have pivoted or moved yeah. or not renewed their apartment. Like so many things have already mm -hmm. changed. And I can only imagine what the healthcare workers are going through. And I don't know, but I'm assuming they're not really giving them the time because there is such an urgency to deal with all of these issues. I doubt that they're getting validated in their PTSD or you know, getting time off that they might need to cope with it. Do you feel like within, from your experience working in mental health care, do you feel like there's a certain stigma or like clinical people, some of the most brilliant people that would still not admit that they need help for their mental health? Do you think that like, if these healthcare workers have the option to get help, will they, or are they just on a grind where they might say, you know, I don't need help. I'm fine. So I actually... I actually I'm hopeful that people will the stigma is not as bad as, as it used to be, but it's still out there. You know, being in mental health, like you know, when I was entering into the field, people were like, "Oh, you're gonna go crazy if you work in that field long enough." You know, you're gonna start taking what the patients take. So that's that's like what people say, uh, not realizing that we're all human. You know, everybody like if you're, uh, you know, nephrologist and and you end up having kidney issues yourself. Doesn't make you crazy, you know. So like, we can all go through things despite you know what you do for for a living. So, you know, the stigma is still there, but I'm more so convinced now that people are going to be okay with getting help because this is such a unique situation. Like this is just very like we've never seen anything like it, and now it's acceptable. People are actually like urging you know healthcare workers, people in mental health, to go get help. Because people realize that, hey, like, we're all individuals. Like, it doesn't matter what you do for a living, how much money you have, how, how much money you don't have, where you live. Like, we, we're all going to need the help. So I'm actually convinced that people will go get the help now um, more so than ever. But it's a matter of if the help is available for them. Like, are the resources there? You know, because I, I do believe that people will want the help. Like, even being on TikTok, scrolling through some of the videos, seeing some of the, the doctors and nurses who are working on the front lines, like, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, it was, we need masks to, we need beds to now, you know, we need therapy. So they're being vocal. So now they want help. Like right now, in this moment, they want help. But if those requests, you know, fall on deaf ears, eventually, you know, it turns into apathy. And then at that point, you know, maybe they might not be as, you know, willing to go get the help. But if we intervene in time collectively, which I'm not sure if we can get these resources for everybody, but uh, if we do that uh, collectively, I'm convinced that a lot of people will go get the help. People, people, people are struggling right now. Yeah, people are struggling, but at least there's more conversation. Like it literally took a pandemic for everybody to like realize like, right. wow, okay, like we have a mental health issue in this country. And I just hope that anybody listening and anybody who is struggling will go get the help that they need. And to wrap up this interview, I would love if you could just share, like, what's the biggest thing that has helped you personally and allowed you to then help other people? How do you regulate your mental health? So uh, I love when people ask that question because depending on when you ask me, it's going to change, you know? So at a point in time when, you know, I was overwhelmed with like a lot of 
credit card debt, personal loans. Like the best thing for my mental health was just working a little bit more, seeing more patients, picking up more work and paying off, you know, those bills. That That's what made me feel better because financially I was in a better place. You know, now it's more so, I mean, of course, I still need to make money. I still even have student loans, but now it's more so of like, how can I take a break? You know, so taking a break now, you know, now I take weekends off, you know, I, I don't do anything on weekends. I'll take like a three or four day weekend here and there. I mean, obviously I make my own schedule now, but taking weekends off, taking, uh, you know, long weekends. Um, there's things that I enjoy doing like electric bike riding, which I haven't done yet here in California, but I do plan on maybe even getting an electric bike, but, um, you know, saying no to things that sometimes I want to do things, but then when I look at my schedule, I'm like, I just can't, I'm just, I'm going to be overwhelmed. So being selective with the things I say yes to, uh, really helps, um, you know, having, uh, conversations with family members and friends asking for help, you know, with little things, if I can't figure something out, I message my assistant or I find someone who can help me out. Um, and, and just taking some time to disconnect, even in social media, like, you know, content creation can burn you, burn you out, you know, and I took like a, the past month, I took like two breaks, like a four day break and a five day break, which is unusual for me. Um, cause when I take that break, like normally I feel guilty, like I'm not posting or I'm not being productive or, uh, they're going to forget about me. Uh, but like anytime I take like a, a four or five day break, when I start making videos again, the videos do really well. It gets a lot of engagement. People ask a lot of questions. So you have to be in the right mental headspace to, um, to create content. So sometimes I'll just take a five day break. Like, I don't know. I might Friday, I might want to take next week off. I don't know. You know, just whatever I have to do to, you know, get myself back on track um, is, is what I need to do. So, and also figuring out how much energy things will take. Like if something will take up so much energy, but it's a brand deal, which is paying me a lot of money. Sometimes I'll say, nah, it'll take up energy. Like I would rather hang out with my dog or be at the beach or just relax or, you know, getting enough sleep or eat right, going to the gym. Um, so sometimes like, what you do for your self-care is going to vary, you know? And I, I tell people on my TikTok live or Instagram, I'm like, you have to ask yourself every week, every month, what does self-care look like for you? Because I promise it's going to change. Like from now and even three months ago, like in December, it was different. And from now to last year, it was different. Like everybody's needs change on the daily, you know? And the last thing I want to add is also um, having a good support system. Like people who who know the real you, people who know your habits, your tendencies, um, you know, because they can tell you, okay, maybe you've been spending too much time in bed, are you okay? Or, you know, you've been working too hard, are you going to take a break? You know, like my brother will be like, oh, you know, you deal with patients who have committed suicide, you know, are you in therapy? You know, so stuff like that. Or even last night I had to film like a TikTok uh, business or brand deal this morning at seven o'clock. And I've been playing video games with my youngest brother just to relax, you know. Um, and I was like, should we play tonight? And he's like, no, don't play because you'll oversleep that big important meeting in the morning, you know. But even me, as with all this stuff going on, I, I just wanted to play the, the video game to relax. But he's like, no, you're going to oversleep because once you get on the game, you'll be in there for, for three, four hours, you know. So, like, you never want to be too big to where you can't ask for, like, advice from the people around you because a lot of times, like, people – around you can see things coming faster than you can like you might be so consumed in like living your life and being you that you might not realize that you're burnt out that you're stressed that you're becoming depressed that you're not doing you're behind on everything you're behind on bills like when i was burnt out like in virginia like there are times where like i'd be behind on bills not because i didn't have the money but because like i would just leave it there i had a stack of bills and i'm like you know what i should pay those you know, cause I, I don't want the, the extra fee that they tack on. So having people around you, I think that's, is very important because like you can't be Superman or Superwoman. Like you're going to have people to like watch out and, and, and look out for you and say, okay, have you done this? Or no, you're, you're slipping or you're doing a really good job. So I think the people that we keep, uh, you know, around us, uh, is, is good for yourself here. Cause they'll point some things out that you might, that you might be missing out on. Yeah, our support system can be instrumental in that way of just like holding us accountable and kind of like seeing us as a person like we see our, ourselves as like our productivity 
and what we right. need to accomplish. But people around us can more just see like us as people, like if we're struggling or not. Mm -hmm. And then I like what you said about self-care, like it will change. And the things that we need to prioritize do shift depending on like what we're experiencing. Exactly. Just seeing what we need and then figuring that out and making sure we give that to ourselves. Um, where can everyone find you? Uh, so you can find me, uh, you know, my website is codosoftware.com. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram or TikTok uh, at Dr. Kodrosafro. On TikTok, there's a, a dot between Dr. I don't know why that's there. That's there from like almost like over a year ago, but it's at dr.kodrosafro on TikTok. And it's just dr.kodrosafro on Instagram. And those are my two main uh, platforms. But I am also on um, Triller, which is similar to TikTok. That's at Dr. Kodrosafro. Uh, and also on um Twitch, you know, so I was talking about video games earlier, uh, and that's something that I do for self-care as long as I don't, you know, do it too excessively, uh, but, but uh, Twitch is where I'm going to be streaming, and uh, I'm actually going to move the majority of my live streams to Twitch from uh, TikTok and from Instagram, and so I'll, Twitch is like where, you, like, you have, you're playing a video game, and, like, they have you in the corner, and you're talking, um, but I'll also have, like, sit-down sessions on Twitch where I'll just be talking about the same things that we talk about on um, on Instagram, you know, TikTok, people have questions about depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar one versus two, just things like that. Or sometimes people just want to hear about my experience, like, you know, how did I feel with my most difficult case or how did I feel when I first started? So sometimes I'll just hop on a live and, uh, and just talk. So Twitch will be my main, like, live streaming, um, you know, platform. And it's at Dr. Carter Sarko, uh on Twitch as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So everyone go follow him on all platforms. Check him out on Twitch. There you are knocking out two birds with one stone doing right. stuff here on the video games and then right. also sharing your knowledge with other that was people. A plan. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks again for being here. Um, and thank everybody you. check him out. He just shared so much great information. And this was another episode of Brains Out Loud. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you on our next episode.